Hey, this is Ryan Chapman with the Fix Your Funnel interview series, and I'm really, really excited to have Tina Potts. We, you guys may not know this or maybe you picked up on it, but we have a little chat before we start recording, and our pre-chat before we start recording, Tina, got me really excited because you're going to be covering some topics that nobody's really covered on this podcast that, that I feel are critical like really critical. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Ryan, for having me. I'm excited to be here with someone who loves automation as much as I do. <laughs> it is fun. I love it. Let's start by though exploring how you got here. I think that that's always instructive. You know, how did you get to the point where you were doing marketing automation? I always find that story fascinating. For me, life happened. My father passed away when I was 22 oh, and so. I worked as a controller and, uh, you know, the numbers, I took care of the systems to connect different locations together. So that was always my job, the technology. Yeah. And then my mother became sick and she had um, two strokes and then she had a heart attack. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's people before money. My mom and her health was way more important than any job or any business that I had. So I stayed home and took care of her because she was all I had left. And eventually when savings started to dwindle, I had to figure out, um, okay, what are you going to do now? And it, it, it wasn't going back to a job. People, the owners of the company actually started handing me to their friends to work out the things that I had worked out for them. So I began consulting from home. And, and then, you know, all of the iterations came down to this. <laughs> That's very cool. I mean, it's, it's a sad story, but also the, the way that you, you know, faced the challenges and overcame is really cool. I think that that, so it sounds like your parents raised you to, to not really see any obstacles. Is exactly that right. That is, that is very fair to say. Uh, I think my philosophy would be no walls. There's never a barrier that we can't overcome. And no matter how dire a situation is, like I'm that person that's going to be all in with you. I'm like, okay, nope, we can figure it out. And we just got to start unwinding some things and we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. That's just who I am. Oh, I, I didn't know about your controller back on that accounting, you know, that requires a certain mentality to be able to think through the numbers of a situation. And that's uh, the most important part, right? Knowing yeah. your numbers. And so it, it I think that's a, an extremely valuable skill set that you bring to the marketing automation playbook. You know what I mean? In the sense that, not only are you aware of the numbers, but just the way that you have to think in terms of, you know, how do we bring all these different pieces of information together? That's really critical because it, honestly, learning marketing automation, getting in there and, you know, making a campaign and stuff like that doesn't require a whole lot of expertise if you're not going to do it right. You know, if you can just do it however. <laughs> Mm -hmm. but, but to do it in a way that really pays attention. See, one of the things that I'm always talking about is data integrity, mm. which, mm. you know, and the funny story is um, when I first started working, I went to work for a CPA. And so they just sat me down in front of a you know, computer with the tax software and started handing me, you know, P&Ls and stuff like that. I said, okay, here's, go figure it out. As so I started doing taxes and then, you know, eventually they started teaching me some of the stuff behind it. But you know, mm -hmm. you when you're in that situation, you learn about data integrity, and it's really important that 
you maintain data integrity in order for you to be able to process information properly. And so someone like with your background has that, has that understanding of, okay, we got to make sure that we keep this data clean and usable as we put it in and as we move it around so that we don't create unintended consequences as we start automating a process. Absolutely. And, you know, to go even deeper, like I, yes, when I talk about knowing your numbers, the profit and loss and all of that kind of thing, absolutely. But let's talk about the numbers before you get to the dollars, yeah. how much traffic in, the conversions, where your funnel may not be, uh, where you could be losing people in your funnel. When you know your numbers, it becomes a systematic approach to growing. So I almost can reverse engineer someone's success. You tell me you want to hit six figures this year or eight figures, whatever the number is. And then we can literally reverse based off of your historical data, what it is that you need to do. But then we're gonna tweak it and make it better. But at least we start from the history. Yeah, oh, I love that, I love that. So yes. who do you work with primarily? Primarily I work with thought leaders. It could be a doctor who has a thought leader component. It could be a coach or a consultant um, or even a traditional business who now wants to have a global audience and a global customer base. That's typically who I'm working with. You know, it's really interesting because that type of customer does best if they don't ever get involved with the software. Well, you, you and I know that, but you know, a lot of times I think we're teaching people that maybe we're trying to make it too easy or we're trying in our in our marketing we're saying it's too easy and instead i like your approach you know having data integrity as well as you know being able to really have analytics and knowing your numbers sure. is crucial if you are serious about growing your business it's one thing if you want to maintain and control everything. It's a whole nother thing if you really want to have a systematic approach, just like you would if you had a traditional mom and pop. Yeah, it, I think that the best, I would, I would just go out on a limb and guess that your best customers are those that know their domain and they understand what you can do and bring to the table and they let you do that, but they inform like, here, here's outcomes that we want to create. And then they, they leave you to do your magic, so to speak, and start orchestrating the things that need to happen so that that magic can be made real. Yeah, my, my customer tells me, okay, I'm having a problem here in fulfillment, or I'm having a problem in lead acquisition, or can you just make it so that I can use my human assets, the people that I employ in more sales generating activities instead of day-to-day -day functions when yeah so so they are really getting into being mindful in the way that they grow yeah. and you've been around for a while so just like I have so you know that when your sales and you know your SGNA because you work for an accountant when when that gets out of whack your profitability is out of whack so if you keep and maintain your SGNA 
to maybe 20% or less of your overall uh, profit structure. It just changes and the fluidity of the company, the profitability of the company, and how fast the company can grow. And I can't believe we're talking so much like in accounting things right now. This is pretty <laughs> funny. <laughs> well, I, hardly yeah, ever use I think these it's words, but it's funny. It's really important for people to understand, um, you know, what all does it take to actually grow a profitable business? And, you know, it, it really comes down to who do you have on the team and are they in the right seats on the bus? Yeah. And there is a, there's a huge component to marketing automation that needs to be informed by business sense. You know, I always say it's, it's like, you know, if you want to be a, a great business owner, you've got to be, you got to have some understanding of psychology because we're mm -hmm. always dealing with humans. Mm -hmm. You have good math, so you, gotta, you have to know how do I structure the business so the, that it'll be the most profitable while doing the most good and accepting the most value from the market that they, you know, as they see that good that you're doing. And, you know, then are we systematic? You know, from my perspective, when it comes to marketing automation, what I'm looking at is, and I'm sure you've seen this, cycles in the market and in a business are a reflection of human nature expressing itself in the business. What people will sometimes do is say, okay, I want to try and mitigate the impact of human nature. So I'm going to put these systems in place, these processes. I'm going to do some automation. But where I see people go too far is when they automate the humanity out of the business. Absolutely. What we really want to do is we want to mitigate the impact of human nature while augmenting the humanity of the business. How do we yeah. interact with customers and prospects? You know, how do, how do we make sure that we're utilizing human assets, as you put it, in the right place so that it's really living up to its full potential and taking and it out of that place where they're going to be prone to mess up because of human nature. And I think that's what happens when people are using templates that they get. Like, let's say they sign up for something and uh, someone has given them a, a funnel template. Most of the time, that has taken your personality out of the equation. Yeah. And what happens is people will notice a drastic decline and then think marketing automation doesn't work. But it is exactly what you said. They took their personality out of it. They took the thing that made them work and they didn't make sure that was included in the automation. Yeah, that is really, so really. crucial. That's why it's like, it kind of makes me sad sometimes when people are like, hey, do you got a, do you got a funnel for that? I go, you look at, I can give you the mechanics of it, but the message has to be yours, right? Yes, yes, the, the message, message has, has to be yours. And, you know, mechanics will not solve a messaging problem. And that's a really important part. And I, I can tell that you really get that. And so you must help your clients to make sure that their message comes through and that your mechanics just facilitate that instead of override it. Yeah, my theme is message method. Uh, you know what I mean? Because if you understand your message first, you know the means that you're going to deliver it and the methods, the mechanics of it, then you can really have the money. And it, it makes the money easy. It's make it almost like it just has to happen because yeah. you got the other three right. So that's the interesting part is we can talk, what we'll talk about today, we can talk a little bit about concepts. We're going to talk about a couple of really think, cool things I'm excited to talk about. <clears throat> we can talk about them generally, but really you have to work with somebody one-on-one -on -one to, to pull the message out of them and get that into the method.
Yes. And so yes. we'll talk about some methods, some mechanisms that you're using, and there'll yes. be some good stuff there, but I don't want people to, to lose sight of the fact that that stuff, those mechanisms, those methods that you're going to talk about are really critical and you got to have those in place. But if they're not fleshed out with your message and your voice, they're going to fall flat. So, and that's, that's really where people would benefit from working with you that if they're, you know, your type of client or customer. Yeah, definitely. Help them flesh the message out around that methodology. Yes, because I'm a strategist. You know, a lot of times people get different terms mixed up. The difference between a coach versus a consultant versus a strategist. You know, all of those things, sometimes people use them um, interchangeably when they really aren't. You know, sometimes coaching is, most people... When, when they're thinking of coaching, that's really about a mindset. Is this a mindset issue? You know, I'm going to help you be a little bit more resourceful. As a strategist, as I was saying in the beginning, I have an all-in approach. I have a no wall. If you're telling me that this is what you want, then I'm going to look for the best, most efficient way to deliver that, but leave your core message intact. And yeah. most people, you, you have to be really careful with who you have at the table. Like you said, having the right people in the right seats at the bus. If you have a strategist that's helping you with your automation, then your VA or your virtual assistant, if you don't have a lot of people on your teams, is getting great direction on how to manage what they've created. But yeah. a lot of times people are using VAs in the wrong spot if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, totally it does. And he, he, look, here's how you can tell. What outcomes are you getting? What outcomes are you getting? That's exactly right. So if your outcomes yeah. are like fantastic, then okay, you probably have everybody in the right place in the bus. If your outcomes are not what you're hoping for, then it's, it's time to say, okay, who am I letting drive our strategy? You know, who am I letting train our our, our team members, you know, those things probably need adjustment. Yeah, the last thing I just wanted to say, you know, especially as we're navigating through different times, what you want to make sure is that when you are converting from a maybe a traditional business or to an online business, when you're adding more online into your structure, don't shortchange that part exactly like you wouldn't if, if it was a traditional business. A lot of times we short change, okay, I'm gonna get this template and I'm gonna plug it in. This is a chance for you to really dig in and make it an extension of you. Yeah. That's really what you want. Well, so I just wanted to throw that in. <laughs> to, to that point, if you do it, that time is the most leveraged activity you'll ever do. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. any investment you make into thinking through and expressing your message in a way that you, you, like you're saying, you haven't shortchanged it. That is going to pay you for years, if not decades, just depending on your your material and your content, but for, for sure, for years. And you know, if you think about an activity that you do once and then pays you over and over and over again, those are activities that you want to be putting in place as much as possible, you know, that's exactly right. What it's going to do for you. And especially if you have a brick and mortar business and you're, you're transitioning to include this influential, you know, thought leader 
info marketer, coaching business, that that extension frequently become, becomes many multiples in terms of value compared to the, the brick and mortar you started with. And you don't yeah. get rid of the brick and mortar because that's almost like your laboratory, right? Yep, yep. That's exactly right. It's it's funny because when I first started doing this, like I was doing things like hair salons and, and this, that, or the other, right? And when when you take and they're making more money from online sales than the people who are actually walking in getting their hair done, they're sitting there baffled because they never thought it could be possible, even though they trusted you to build it. That's yeah. the crazy part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It's really exciting. I mean, that was our first, my, my first business that actually was really successful. I mean, I had, you know, stay above the expense line businesses before that, but the first one that was really successful was an information marketing business where we were teaching a concept to people. And wow. the, the leverage is super exciting when you get that in place. Wow. Hey, Ryan, I want to ask you a question. Yeah. I often say, that one hour of automation for me, I can almost say is more than a thousand hours of man hours sometimes. Could you give a number like that? Would you give a number like that? Well, I don't even know if you could quantify it, to be honest. The question for me then becomes, are those hours that, that, you know, contribute to the bottom line? Yes. That's the difference between a good automation expert and your average automation expert. Because anybody can automate anything, really. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But the question yep. is, does the automation contribute to the bottom line? If you put an automation in place that contributes to the bottom line, that's where the real leverage comes in. Because now that hour is worth something that you turned into a thousand. You know what I mean? Yes. And that's yes. the real difference between having a strategist and having a VA do automate, you know, setting up automations is the thought process into how does this impact the bottom line? And, you know, because this is where I see people get really frustrated with marketing automation. They go, they get excited about the dream, the prospect of what marketing automation can do for them. They mm-hmm. go hire a company, the company automates everything without discretion on what actually impacts the bottom line for the company that could be automated. Mm-hmm. They get no results that they can measure that's significant, but they put a huge investment of time, money, and effort. And then they're like, well, this is all garbage. Yeah. But the truth is, if you don't actually put the marketing automation on the thing that actually is preventing the company from growing, then you have just wasted time, money, and effort. But it's not because the marketing automation, the tool is a problem. It's your use of the tool, right? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And that's, that's where having great analytics really does come in because just, just like when you were, you know, in traditional businesses, when we just used to teach, Hey, when someone calls on the phone, make sure you ask, you know, where did you find out about us? Like that was one of the small things that you would teach people to do when they answer the phone to know which of your marketing or advertising was working. A lot of times, if you just get, as you called it an average automation, person to do it if they're not asking all of those questions about what makes you shine before they start they could actually do more damage than good because they've now taken away the power that you have because they didn't amplify that part 
So yeah. I, I wholeheartedly. Agree. Yeah, they, yeah, that's one of the signs for sure is do they ask enough questions that they really understand your business and how the model works and where yeah. the potential weak points are that could be helped? You know what I mean? Yes, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Okay, well, one of the things I know that you do that I got excited about that you told us before we started was filling events. So anybody that sells one to many, which, you know, frankly, is one of the better ways to sell. Mm-hmm. puts on events and they want to get people to the event, whether that's a, a online event or a physical event, obviously physical being somewhat curtailed at this time, but regardless, they want to fill events. And you said that you've got some pretty cool ways that you're using the tool sets available to you to fill events to capacity without giving away stuff. Absolutely. Tell us about so, that. Yeah. So my favorite way is using a lot of different forms of automation, like what your company does. So for instance, I don't just use email automation. I use text message. I use voicemail drops and like all three of those combined email, text message, and voicemail drops is the way that I can fill events over capacity. You know, we're all walking around with earphones in our ears. Every like, half the population right yeah. now I think is walking around with earphones in your ears. The best personal way is having a voice in those earbuds. And when you send a voicemail drop, it, it just connects on a personal level. That's one of the things you and I was talking about, making sure that personal touch stays inside yeah. of the automation. So well, it works. Okay. And I, I get from our conversation that you've done quite a bit with direct voicemails. What oh, yeah. um, and obviously fix your funnel does that, but yeah. the question always I think that people come to when they're they're saying okay I want to include the voicemail drop. Tina talked about it. Sounds interesting. It's got that personal element. You've got the t- the tone, the inflections, you know, the emotion. How do you craft your voicemail drop? Oh sure. So a lot of times I still have the main message in email and my voicemail is really connecting to them as a human and then saying, hey, go look at that email that I sent you. I want to have a heart-to-heart conversation. Hey, this is Tina. Just wanted to make sure that you heard about the event that I'm having in Dallas. You know, and then I say something like, the one thing that I know most people want to learn is this. But if you want to find out about everything, I sent you an email. Please look at it. And if you have any questions, just hit reply on that email and I'll be happy to answer them. So Great. you see, like I take them from yeah. one channel back to the other. Yeah, I love and I love that example you gave. I think everybody listening could go, oh, I see what she means. Yep. And the same thing in text messaging, right? Yeah, when tell us about pe- that. When people try to use text messaging in their sales funnel, the worst thing you can do is just starting buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff in text messaging. It becomes yeah. intrusive and they will block you fast. It, the best thing is, hey, hey, I just wanted to let you know I sent you an email. How are you doing today? Like those kind of things. You gotta, that's where you got to bring your humanness to the table and not just buy my stuff. Yeah. Well, this has always been a frustration for us because, you know, as we were talking about, we've been doing texting for nine plus years now. And so mm-hmm. the the natural tendency of everybody when they first 
get access to texting if they somehow have phone numbers, which is usually the, you know, the next big hurdle they have because they've just been collecting email addresses their whole life. Mm -hmm. But if they do have phone numbers, they think, oh, I'm gonna send out a big broadcast and tell people uh, if they buy before this time, then they'll get this percentage off. It's some combination of the promotional text message. And the problem with that is what they're doing is they're trying to take what they've done in email that they think is working. And they're like, ooh, texting is seen more. I'm gonna do it in texting. But the problem is texting is seen more and your yeah. weren't seen as much. And text is kind of in like right there, very personal, intimate, you know, it hits that intimate area. And um, that's how email, you got, not so much. And that's exactly, you gave the perfect word intimate. Yeah. You, it's an intimate conversation. And the fastest way to lose that intimacy is by just pushing you know, the same message that you're doing in email. That you, is just- You would probably really appreciate this. Have you seen my book, The Messaging Connection? I haven't, but I'm going to go read it now. <laughs> okay, well, I will get you a copy. I'll, I'll share a link with you Thank to you. the audio version because you're, like you said, everybody's got the earbuds. You probably can listen to it while you're doing other stuff. But I got one on my desk. I'll just open it up so I cite the right chapter here. But in chapter two, so chapter one, I talk about the email dilemma, but chapter two is how you see contacts. I'm using that word, you know, in the right, you know, mm -hmm. database, you have a contact, right? Mm -hmm. But how do you see them is really critical before. So before I even get into how do you do texting, right? Which is what the book is about, right? Effective texting. I say, what's really critical is how do you see people? And mm -hmm. so many uninformed business owners, I mean, they haven't thought about it or no one's talked to them about it. will look at people in their database as money bags. And the, the whole purpose of the contact is to extract money out of them. Mm. And, and this, the problem with this, this view, whether conscious or unconscious, and it, you can tell immediately by looking at somebody's behavior, right? How do yep. they see the people is, is it impacts the way you communicate. So you go look at how you've communicated with people in the past. Do you send emails with no intention of receiving a response? That's something I loved about what you said earlier is reply to the email address. I want to hear mm -hmm. back from you. I want mm -hmm. to enter into a dialogue, a conversation. That's mm -hmm. how we know someone cares about people and doesn't yep. see them just as money bags. Because people that just see them as money bags want to put a barrier up between the customer and themselves. Yes. <laughs> they, they want to construct walls that keep them out instead of building bridges to conversation. And yeah. you know, to, to your point, the texting that really not only is an intimate form of, it's, it is meant to be a one-to-one -one communication channel. It is meant for conversation, not just telling people stuff. Yeah. So that's the thing is I see people come in, they get their list, they get access to texting and they want to immediately broadcast out, go do this thing. They speak at people instead of with people and just burns the bridge. I'm, I know you've been using texting probably even longer than we've been in business. Yeah, I actually started with a, a product that was called Instant Customer that was there like a long, long time. And, you know, when you guys came along and you had the bridge already to Infusionsoft, that was just like a godsend for me, you know, and I want to hit back on what you said. Like, I believe in relationship marketing. I'm yeah. building relationships in everything I do. Everything is a relationship your relationship to money, your relationship to your family members, your relationship, relationship is everything. Yeah. So 
Like I just, I, that's how I am approaching all of it is, is by that relationship. And I could tell that immediately just within two minutes of us talking. Oh, wow. I I could tell immediately that you were a, a person focused you know, but, so, and you know, and I wanted to add just one more yeah, thing here, yeah. like in the Infusionsoft CRM, when it's used properly, you have the best tool to build the most loving and honorable relationships. Even if you have other people who are doing things for you, when you have recorded all of the, the interaction, whether it's open the email, click the link, or somebody talked to them on the phone and they recorded the notes of what was said. Like that's real deep, meaningful data that helps you create those kind of relationships that you want. Absolutely. And that's why that focus has to be there. You have to be focused on really helping people. If you do that, the money follows. The money follows, yep. Um, anytime you're focused on people as money bags, you may get the money in the short term, but you will lose it. You will lose the relationship. You will lose the money. It never lasts long term. That's why it's so critical. If you, if you're like, Hey, I, but I want to make a bunch of money. If you want to make a bunch of money, focus on people. And, and that's why, like, and, and that's where retention becomes the problem because you're always chasing new traffic, new leads, new customers. And, you know, because you didn't there's, have a relationship, they don't stick right, around. Right. And there's nothing like somebody who has already opened up their, you know, used their credit card with you. Like, by just keeping that person happy, a lot of times that's one of the first things I'm looking at when I go and work with a new company is. How, you know, what is the real lifetime value of that customer and are they using it effectively? And a lot of times what you just said, if they're looking at them as money bags, that lifetime value is not really there. There's a one time off purchase, maybe two, but it doesn't go for a long time. And I've and referrals aren't there, you know, like there's so many things that happen when you treat people like money bags, you don't get referrals. You don't get like, there are so many things, so many. Yeah. Well, and before we go into some of the ways that you're helping people with retention, which is mm-hmm. again, expression of this philosophical view of treating people like people. Mm-hmm. Um, let's I want to go back read a little bit more into filling events. What are some of the tactical things you're doing? We've talked about message. We talked about philosophy. What are some of the tactical things you'd mentioned the, you know, the, the multimedia referencing emails and stuff like that. Is there like a specific structure that you've generally find yourself starting with, even if you tailor it slightly to each application? Sure. So once I have someone opted in for whatever reason, so let's say it's a paid event and I've created an opt-in for them to learn more about the event, whatever the opt-in is. The first thing they're getting is an email, but then the next day I'm following up with a text message and it is a personal text message. It looks nothing like, you know, like a mass text message. Yeah, tell us about that. What, What makes it feel personal? Because obviously it is being sent with marketing automation, right? Yep, it is being sent with marketing automation. One of the things I might say is, oh, I just wanted to make sure you saw this. 
and I give one little piece that they got to go look for in the email, right? Like something that's going to entice them to want to go open the email and read the whole thing. But it was only one little tidbit of that email that I give them in that text message. So they'll go search. Yeah. There are four types of messages that I tell people that they need to have in their campaigns in some place, right? There's Mm -hmm. the content delivery text message. There's the email reference message, which you just gave a perfect example of one and the way that you did it too. Now, so when you're writing that message, you're probably thinking of a specific individual, aren't you? I am. I'm like, I'm thinking of the experience. What do people want to experience when they come to this event? And so that's my theme, right? So I have one centered theme when I'm writing the whole funnel. What do people want to experience when they come to the event? Yeah, there could be 10 speakers. There could be all of this stuff. But what's the experience they're looking for? And I'm going to write to that experience. And I'm going to keep driving the message home of that experience. So when you're you're writing up this text message, you're keeping that mission in mind. But then you're thinking Mm -hmm. about one individual person. Yep. And if they were a friend of yours, how would you text them? Is that fair to say? That is very fair to say, because I don't want to be intrusive. It, it shouldn't feel like a sales message. It just shouldn't feel like all I care about is whether or not they're going to pay me money. It can't feel that way. So I, and I, I hope people really get that because that is the, the big secret. You know, all the people that have gotten great results using fixture funnel texting have always come back to me and said, you know, the thing that really changed everything for me was starting to think about personal interaction. Even though we're automating it, even though we're getting leverage through you know, technology, being very intimate in terms of our thoughts on how are we trying to communicate with people, not worrying about being corporate or you know, sounding like we're something we're not, but being very intimate in terms of, you know, I'm communicating with another human who's in this position, I can imagine the position they're in, and as they're getting that message, how will that be received? And that's, you know, you, you, that's not very hard to do. It isn't. It, it, sometimes, and, and I think you really hit on it, it's trying to be too quote unquote professional. Like sometimes yeah. we turn this hat on when we really need to relax it a bit and go, wait a minute, if I was on the other side of this text message, is this a text message I would want somebody to send to me? Yeah, I love it. Okay, so you send a text right after referencing yes. back to the email. Now, the reason you probably do that is because you can put a whole lot more information in email than you can in text message, right? Absolutely. And they're expecting, the expectation is I'm expecting you to sell me in the email. Yes. I'm not expecting you to sell me in the text message. You'd have to be something special to be able to sell somebody in 160 characters. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. And so that's where it starts to, when people don't use it that way and they start to try to sell in 160 characters, you end up getting stacking three to four text messages on top of each other and people begin to unsubscribe immediately. So that's, you you just don't do that. Yeah. Good. Okay. And then any, I haven't heard the voicemail drop, but that's got to be in the mix somewhere. 
Yes. So like, for instance, one of the great things and a great secret that everybody can try right now is if you have multiple speakers that are going to be at your event, just get them to record a small message on the one secret thing, again, pulling out one thing out of their presentation that they're going to, that people will experience when they're there. And so I remember for, I was doing a nonprofit and they wanted me to get 500 girls into this building. And so they were going to have this little young up and coming rapper that was gonna be there. I said, hey, can you get him to just record a message real quick and just, <laughs> and, yeah. and literally then within 48 hours, they were almost fall so, just from that one voicemail. Do you have to coach these speakers when you're doing that? Or do you just, I mean, I, I do. some I, can fail terribly. I know and others yeah, no. probably hit it right on the mark. Yeah, I do. And the reason I do is just from, uh, because of what you and I just said, a lot yeah. of times people, People turn on that professional thing and yeah. I want them to have I want them um, to talk as if they're talking to their friends saying hey listen don't forget to come see me on Saturday because whatever so yeah, yeah no I do coach I, I help craft all of the messages and everything yes. yeah so that's really important to have somebody that has that understanding of what it sounds like when it's right because yeah. again um, while voicemails probably aren't seen as much as text message they're probably pretty close mm -hmm. and if they're listened to there's so much information being conveyed so they can really hurt you or help you depending on if you do it right and that's the secret you just said it you know i am bad when it comes to voicemail messages if you leave a message on my cell phone you might as well have just texted me right so yeah. like that's just how i feel but the people who actually listen to them, if you m make a mistake, if you are too salesy in that message, you've lost them and you've probably yeah. lost them forever. It. Yeah. So yeah. You, you really can't have people reading those messages, can you? No, no, nope. And the other great part about it now is that most cell phones transcribe your message too. Yeah. So when, when you go, like instead of saying hello tina if you go hey tina like when they see that transcription they're more want to listen to it because it looks like it's a more friendly message so there's thought in every step of that process yeah, <laughs> every yes. single step yeah well that's very cool i thought i think some people can take that and you, you can probably if you've done events those are little tips right there will help you a ton but any kind of message you're trying to get across, that's going to be a, make a big difference. Yep. 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 And timing is always important. Um, well, what do you mean by that? What I mean is don't start too fast with the text messaging. You know, when they first opt in and they've given you their cell phone number, yes, have that one initial message, but make sure you get the email off first give it time to marinate, then come back. That will change your conversions. Well, We've that does got... a couple of things for you too, right? Because one mm -hmm. is, you know, you're not hitting them all at once, like, you know, hitting them with a baseball bat. But also, you don't need to necessarily spend the money to do the text message and the voicemail drop if they actually check their email. 
That's right. Right. So if they're part of that small group that will check and respond to the email before they get anything else, well, let them do that and pull them out of the campaign so you don't have to waste the money on the, you know, or even the attention currency on the text or the, the voicemail drop. Let's save that for another moment in time. Yep. Right. But if they yep. don't, then now we give them the nudge with the text mm -hmm. and let a little time for that. And then now we give them the nudge with the voicemail. Right. That's right. And That's right. That way and you, you don't spend all of your money equally. Like I always talk about it because I like basketball. I'm six, seven, right? And you don't play defense equally to everybody on the court. No, of course not. If you do that, then somebody is just dominating on you. You're cheating a little bit and helping one of the guys that, you know, you know is the main scorer. Because any if you go watch any basketball game, not everybody's a fan, but those that are, you know, there are a few, there's one player that scores the most. There's a second player that scores a little bit, you know, less. And then the rest of them will have a few points between them if we're lucky. we got a good team, right? That's right. So you would want to apply your defense unevenly to address that, that attack that's coming at you. In the same way, you don't want to just do all your marketing equally the same. You want to say, okay, where's the best place to bring out the big guns so I really can get that movement so I don't abuse the medium and lose their interest. That's again where you're talking about um, a excellent automation expert and someone who's just playing around with it because yeah. that takes really understanding tags, understanding movement through the automation sequences and really that really is about maintaining a great relationship and not over abusing anything. That that takes work. <laughs> that yeah. takes work. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that's very, very important for people to know. Okay. So now you, I think we did a, a good job of you covering some of the, the highlights of what you do in fulfillment to fill these events. I love mm -hmm. the idea that you brought up of, you know, having a speaker, you know, just give a quick thing and be able to use the leverage, the speakers that may be the reason that people would want to attend to get mm -hmm. them to get excited. What do you do about people helping people after they become customers? So they bought the product, they joined the membership, they signed up for the event. What are you doing to keep people involved with the company in the long term? Oh, wow. That's really where text messaging and voicemail drops are um, so powerful. Because again, we talked about the intimate, that's the intimacy of both of those. So um, think about a coach who has a group coaching program and you're doing the one to many, but you still want to make sure that that person is feeling seen and heard in the relationship. So when they get a random message, a voicemail drop where they look, oh, wow, I didn't notice my phone didn't ring. And then they hear from their coach, hey, it's Tina. I just wanted to check on you today. I know that you're working on some big things and I just wanted to give you a message to keep going, keep, keep pushing through, even though I know it feels hard right now, you can do this. Like, That's when, really, really powerful. Yeah. Because that, that, you know, if you ask any coach, what they're going to tell you is, well, of course I'd want to do that. Of course I'd want to check in, give encouragement, that kind of stuff. But if you leave it to them to do, the human nature portion of us, it kind of falls. I'll give you an example. I've got a cousin. Her husband is a dentist. And he was telling me how what he was doing was texting all of his patients every day. And I thought he was doing this in the evening because these texts would go out about five, right? 
-hmm. and then came to find out that he was writing these text messages, you know, right after he finished the procedure on him and then scheduling it to go out in the afternoon. Genius idea. Wow. You can do it with the Fix Your Funnel app, right? Wow. So I love just, that. Do you, do you know about our scheduled send? Yes. And I love okay, that. Good. That's amazing. Yeah. So he was doing that, but you know, things kind of changed with the whole virus thing and everything. And so yeah. my daughter just had to have her wisdom teeth pulled out because they're coming in weird and stuff. And so we had to go, even though it's you know kind of weird timing. And I didn't get the text message like we did before, you know? Mm -hmm. And I thought, huh, interesting. So human nature eventually caught up with them. Mm -hmm. So even though he mm -hmm. had good intentions, he was doing something really good for creating that connection with his patients and checking in on them. You know, just, hey, mm -hmm. I just want to see how the pain is doing. Let me know if you need any help. You know, that kind of check-in was creating a lot of goodwill in the company. Um, mm -hmm. Human nature, his humanity portion of him was wanted to do that, but human human nature eventually wore out. And I kind of postulated that at some point human nature, even though his strategy of doing it immediately after the procedure was way better than doing it at 5 p.m., where he'd more likely forget or be tired or whatever, eventually even that one wore down. So you and I would probably say, well, then let's make it a, an automated procedure to check in with a patient on the evening of the day that they come in. And Absolutely. the doctor doesn't have to write anything. We can probably make that a fairly generic yet personal message and yep. accomplish the same thing, but have consistency. And yep. so what you're doing with these voicemail drops is you're creating a consistent expression of humanity that builds relationship, but isn't going to be deterred by human nature. I love how you put it. <laughs> I love how you put it. And, and, and then think about this too, Ryan. Think about this. In every industry, you have an association, and that association is giving statistics, right? Yeah. So let's just say in the coaching industry, they say that people may sign up for a group coaching program, and most of those people by month three are going to go flat, and they're not participating, right? There's like, so you can get all of these statistics. What I like to do is say, we're going to blow these statistics out of the water yes. because I'm going to go to month three and I'm going to make sure that I've put things in from month one, month two, that when month three comes, they're not falling off like that. Yeah. So that, that's, it's just such a different way I, of I looking at things. That you're using those market statistics to help because yeah. those market statistics, generally speaking, are a reflection of human nature's impact on a business. Again, I love how you say it. <laughs> you know, the, the human nature of the client as well as the, the provider, right? Yep. Both of yep. them have a part that plays that reveals these statistics. I mean, if you go to anyone that has a membership site, this isn't group coaching, but membership site, three to four months is the average Yep. retention. We used a lot of the concepts you're talking about in our training business that we started back in 2007 which is kind of where the genesis of Fix Your Funnel came from is all the stuff we were doing there. We kept people for five and six years in a membership program. Wow. Now you only do that though, if you're building relationships. That's right. That's so right. I because... love what you're doing here because this is, you know, if you want to have a successful company, create great relationships, actually yep. care about people, use marketing automation to mitigate the impact of human nature and express your humanity, enhance your humanity even. And you know, what you're doing, Tina, is so great because you've come, you've done this. 
when we get arrived to these conclusions in slightly different ways, but you, you came at it through just pure experience of working and helping companies. Mm -hmm. But yep. under that foundation of your sincere concern and care for people. And so you brought that, you know, to the, the market and then you learned all these other tools and stuff. And with those tools, you just expressed what was already in your heart. And I think that's super critical when you're building a team, everybody's got to have the same philosophy. Yep. And let's, let's give something that everybody that listens to this broadcast can use in retention right now. If you're building a business online, one of the biggest things that most people are worried about are chargebacks. That time, you know, where people have buyer remorse, yeah. that seven day period. The first thing that you could do is add one of these automated heartfelt messages and give a homework assignment so that your customer now has buy-in before they actually get started. It's almost like a pre-assignment, just like when Ryan and I, before we got started, we had a small little conversation. We had like a pre-conversation. That's the same thing, and it will change the buyer remorse, and you can automate that. And a lot of times we forget that that period, that seven day period is where you're most vulnerable. And then the next is the 30 day. But in that seven days, if you just change the experience by using more personal messaging, you change your refund rates, your chargebacks, all of that. That is awesome. Hey, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. I have learned a lot. I've been reminded of a lot of things that I know that we could do even better in our company because of you know, your examples and what you've shared. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much, Tina. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you so much for having me. Now, there's got to be some people that have been listening to this podcast that are curious to know how they could reach out to you, how they could get a hold of you. What's the best way for folks to reach out to you? It's clientattractionsystems.net. Great. We'll have that in the show notes. So you can yep. click on that. If you go down to the bottom of the transcription, you'll see that at the bottom. But thank you. So it's, say it one more time, just so if people that are listening don't want to wait and read at the bottom. Client attraction systems, plural, dot net. Perfect. Well, thanks so much, Tina. Uh, we're going to have to do this again. Oh, thank you. And uh, anytime, anytime. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure.